literally just up to last month in October, I've been working a nine to five job on side of building FYI Fly. So for any entrepreneurs, for anybody listening, keep your job. Keep your job until you are really making funds. Welcome to The Fi Show, where you get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Financial Independence Show, where today we have on Hassan Thomas, founder of FYI Fly, and you'll find out what that means shortly. But before that, let me check in my co-host, Justin. What is going on, man? Hey, Cody. Yeah, just got back from uh, one of the coolest trips I've been on in a very long time. It was definitely the nicest hotel I've ever been to, and I know I sent you some pictures, but we were down in Cabo. We had two free nights to use at any hotel we wanted. We were there for a total of three nights. We did one night in an Airbnb and two nights in this insane hotel. There's a Waldorf Astoria in Cabo. Every single room had its own little plunge pool. We got upgraded to like a nicer room overlooking the ocean at a higher floor. So just the, the views were incredible. We did a whale watching tour. And on that, it was literally just me, Leslie, the guide, the captain, and the guide's sister, who she said she's been on like 40 of these and never seen one like with the whales so active. I mean, it was, we we're sitting there tracking these two whales that were just like nonstop breaching, like jumping up out of the water, like completely humpback whales just jumping completely up out of the water. And it was just nonstop one after another. And they said, sometimes they'll see like two breaches, like kind of, you know, maybe once a week, they'll see like two breaches. And we probably saw 40. It was just, it was it was awesome. Then came back to Mississippi, and actually, after today, I am off work until the end of the year. So I'm pumped about that. Awesome, man! Yeah, I saw some of those pictures. It just looked amazing. I mean, I'm like, are all these pictures from your resort? One was like a beach. One was like this crazy fancy restaurant. And you're like, yeah, all of these are on resort. And I know we talked about this last week, but do you know the actual sticker price? What it would have costed you to stay at that place if you didn't have the points? Yeah. So I know that before like the taxes and fees, which are a lot, the cheapest room on the cheapest day, the cheapest time of the year is around $1,700 a night. And so (laughs) after we got like upgraded, and then when you think about taxes and fees and all that stuff, I want to say that two nights there would have cost us at least five grand. And then on top of that, like you mentioned, like the super nice hotel with the credit card that I have, the, the Hilton Aspire, you get $250 a year if it's considered a resort property that you can use on like meals, incidentals, whatever. So we did like, it was like 180 bucks for us to eat at that restaurant. And then it was after the fees and stuff is about $26 a day to upgrade our breakfast to the buffet, which was incredible. Like it wasn't just breakfast food. It was like fresh tamales and quesadillas and uh, just all these different things. I mean, they had smoked marlin tacos the last day we were there like it was an awesome spread then we did some room service for like some truffle fries one night and uh, so we spent 251 dollars and some change and uh we getting 250 dollars of that reimbursed so not bad <laughs> not too bad at all well for me it wasn't quite as exotic of a weekend i wasn't down in cabo i was just up in old massachusetts but i had a friend's birthday he actually celebrates usually a week before because his birthday is on christmas eve so we went to this new place. It's actually brand new, Justin, in Seaport called Putt Shack. It's kind of like mini golf, except it's like almost mini golf mini games. Like they, they split off the course. It's not just like straight 18 holes. They serve drinks and food. It's like a whole experience. They definitely went super over the top. That was a ton of fun. And then we you know, went out to legal seafood after and had a night out. And it was really fun getting to reconnect with a lot of my college buddies. 
And then on the business front, been staying really busy, been actually doing like a lot of systems and process overhauls for Gold City Ventures, the business I have with Julie. It's been an absolute bear trying to just like rein in everything and kind of just like tie up all the loose ends and things that we should have had better structured over the past few years that we didn't. We just kind of neglected and let it ride until now where we're just like scrambling, trying to get everything done. And we'll probably talk about that more next week when we kind of do a dive into the gear and reflection and talk about some of our goals and stuff. But yeah, it's definitely been an exciting week. It's kind of like my first, it feels like my first real full week back since Hawaii, like getting back into the flow of getting work done and a workout routine and seeing people and all that good stuff. Everything is settled with the house. So just kind of getting back into the swing of things. But Justin, that's enough about us and what we're up to. Let's talk about the guest for today, Hassan Thomas. So we've known Hassan for a couple of years at this point, And for some reason, who knows, it just kept getting postponed. Like one of us would have a trip. Justin was going to London and then like I would be in some other country and it just never worked out. We literally rescheduled. Sorry, Hassan, like four times. But I was so happy we finally got to have him on the podcast and share his story because this is a guy, when we met him, he was still in college, I believe. We met him at FinCon, I think it was 2019. He was still a college student playing college football. While he was, you know, taking classes full-time, he was also a full-time content creator. Ends up, you know, writing a book. He ends up doing all these speaking engagements and becoming like a personal finance influencer. This is all while he's in college. Then he graduates past college, has a real full-time job, ends up getting to quit that full-time job this year. And we get to just go through the ins and outs of his story, the ups and downs, the lessons he's learned from parents, how to learn better, how to know when you're ready to quit that job and how to poise yourself if you are someone who wants to go out and attack an entrepreneurial venture. So there's just like so many really good and tactical takeaways. And this is someone who was doing it while he was a full-time student, while he was a full-time athlete as a full-time personal finance content creator. So if you're someone who struggles with time management and wants to see how someone gets it all done, I think this episode just has so much for you. Hassan definitely has so much like passion and you can tell that in his in the interview like you can just tell by the way he's talking about it how much he genuinely like cares about this kind of thing and changing people's lives. I also think the cool thing about Hassan is it's a voice coming from a place that isn't as well covered like in this financial space. Like you don't see a lot of people who are we're trying to be like student athletes and just in general I think that is a sector of our society that is underserved in the form of like financial education. I mean, you've seen the 30 for 30 type movies like broke where so many athletes like get to that professional level and then don't know what to do with their money. And so my hope is that not only can Hassan impact just a lot of you know normal people, but can also really influence that sector of people. I think that's going to be a really cool story for Hassan long term. Like I just see him influencing so many different people who are going into college, looking at becoming a student athlete, and not just putting all their focus in on the sports part, but thinking about that financial security piece as well. And Hassan also gives us some insight into like what it's like to become a student athlete in the first place. Like, How do you get discovered? What does that look like? What are maybe some common missteps people have? And on top of all the things we've mentioned that Hassan is doing, he's also creating an app. So if you're curious about any of the things we just talked about, want to share this episode with someone who you think it would resonate with, you could do all that from thefyshow.com slash Hassan. That's thefyshow.com slash H-A-S-S-A-N. Take it away, Hassan. I think my first money lesson that I can really, really remember and apply was my dad telling me to save 50% of my income in high school. Now, I'll say this. I didn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) But let me tell you why. And I've realized why as I've become a financial educator and things of that nature, I've realized why. So 
I didn't necessarily take that advice because I didn't know why. I didn't know the implications of not saving money. So I think, you know, moving forward, even with my own teachings to the high school and college students that I speak to on a daily is showing them the benefits and then showing them like the pros and then also showing them the cons of not being financially literate, of not investing early and often. So I think that's one of the biggest things that I've learned from me, my own experience of not listening to my dad on that standpoint was, okay, tell them not only what to do, but why to do it and how it impacts if you do it or if you don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) What about just like in the house in general? Like, were you shown kind of anything about the, the family's finances? Did you have any awareness over how the family was doing? Was finance something that you guys talked about, not just for you, but like Mm -hmm. for the family aspect? So, no, of course, you kind of pick it up like, okay, you know, we have a a little spare income here. We don't have too much here, but I was pretty much raised by my mom when I was in Texas. So I moved to Texas from four all the way to 18 until I went off to college in Tennessee. And I wasn't involved in any of the financial conversations with my mom, but Just being a single child, I could tell that we were, you know, middle class. We were able to, you know, afford. We have never went hungry. You know, I've always had a roof over my head. I could tell we weren't super rich where we could just afford any and everything. You know what I mean? So just those little things that you kind of pick up as you get older and things of that nature. But to answer your question, no, really wasn't involved in the financial conversations. (laughs) And so I know this answer just because we're friends, we've known each other for a while, but I'm curious from the go to college versus entrepreneurial route, because now, I mean, you're someone who has their own personal brand, you have books, a podcast, like you're doing so much on the entrepreneur Mm -hmm. front, but what were those conversations like about college? I know you did end up going to college, but was there any point where you thought you were just going to go and become an entrepreneur and skip the whole college thing altogether? No, because I was a, a student athlete. So I knew that football was going to be my route to get my college paid for because Mm -hmm. I didn't want to put that financial burden on my mom or my dad to have to pay for my schooling. So when I was in high school, I sent my football film to over 200 coaches. So I've had, you know, during that time of my senior year, I had about six or seven schools actually reach out to me and, you know, that were actually serious about me coming to their school. So that's Pretty much all I needed was to get, you know, some of those schools interested to pay for my schooling and pay for my education. So for anybody listening out there, I think the best option is to have options. So shoot a shot. (laughs) And if you shoot for 100 and you have 10 left, hey, you're winning. I actually think this would be an interesting topic to touch on a little bit just because we haven't really had anybody come in and talk about what that looks like to get that scholarship is for an athlete. Yeah. Talked about you sent it to a lot of people. Are there kind of things like people need to watch out for, like maybe getting ahead of themselves? Like you said, having options, like can the team pull that scholarship from you? Or maybe this whole time you're thinking, I'm going to this school, not worried about everybody else. And then all of a sudden they change their mind last minute and you're stuck. Like any kind of things you could maybe just put out to the audience. It would be little tips or gotchas for getting recruited and getting school paid for. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think the first thing is just to believe in yourself. I was at the gym the other day. It's crazy you asked this question. I was at the gym the other day and a lady was telling me about her daughter who plays volleyball. She's really good. She's like number two in the district, but she hasn't sent her film out to the coaches. Like I was talking about how I sent my film out to all these different coaches. 
So I think the first thing, and this actually relates back to, you know, finances, understanding and believing that you're worthy of being wealthy, just like you need to understand and believe that you're worthy of that scholarship or worthy of that money to attend that school and play your sport or play your instrument or whatever they're paying you to come to their school for, you're worthy of that. So I think that's one of the first initial and foundational things is understanding that you can do it. And if you apply yourself, you will do it. So I think this is a really important point and something that not enough people really take to heart is kind of this like getting your thing out to the masses. And so I know in my personal situation, like I applied to 150 scholarships. I was applying to dozens and dozens of internships and jobs. And in turn, I ended up getting Mm. good scholarships, good jobs. Sounds like you sent your film out to over 200 different coaches. Like who taught you the send to the masses strategy? Because again, a lot of people think it's just going to be a silver bullet. They're going to get lucky, like some coach is going to discover them in your case, like they're not going to send their stuff out to anywhere. And all of a sudden they're going to have the scholarship, but that's just not how it works. You got to just keep shooting your shot. You're going to miss a ton, but you're going to hit on a couple of them. So like, was it one <laughs> of your parents that kind of taught you this? Like, hey, Hassan, you need to send this out as much times as possible. And I'm sure that same lesson has just paid itself over and over and over again throughout your life. Bro, you see this big smile on my face because <laughs> when you ask me that question, I'm thinking of the real answer and I'm going to be completely authentic. <laughs> I'm going to give you the real answer. So my friend Ashton in high school, he used to tell like, so a lot of girls be telling like, hey, Ashton, you know, hit me up. Ashton did this. Ashton did this. And me and him was talking. I'm like, bro, why you be, you know, hitting up all these girls and stuff like that, DMing them, messaging them. He was like, bro, because if I shoot my shot at a lot of them, and I get, you know, two or three, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> so I've literally applied that same aspect to everything, whether it was sending my film out to 100 coaches, 200 coaches, whether it's me sending an email to get a speaking engagement at a school to get my book looked at by a school. I told somebody the other day, I was like, if you knew that I sent my film out to over 200 coaches, you would be crazy to think that I'm not going to go door to door, that I'm not going to send my email and contact and network about my business, about my brand. If I was doing that in high school just to get to college. So I'm literally applying that in every. And then, you know, as I'm getting older now, I'm watching, you know, Grant Cordon's method of his mass marketing and things of that nature that he does. You know, so I'm saying, hey, this is what entrepreneurs do. You know, it's more about the numbers and the conversion rates. You know what I mean? Sitting at a thousand people and we got a hundred people opening it, then that means if we want to increase conversions, we need to send it to 10,000 people and then have, you know, a thousand people opening it. You know what I mean? So I think that mindset applies to so many different things. And if you have the determination and the motivation to do it, then I believe you should rock out and send it to everybody. (laughs) (laughs) And what about like now that you're, get to college, you've got this scholarship. What do finances look like for a student athlete, at least, you know, your experience? Were you having to pick up another job or was football able to take care of everything you needed? So for me personally, I started to work a second job. I would say my sophomore year, I think my sophomore year, I started to work a remote job while I was playing football, while I was volunteering at the Boys and Girls Club, just to have extra money. Because if you want to live that college life is, is, you know, and the thing is, we have money. We're just spending it. We're just spending it at the bar. We're spending it at the parties. We're spending it at the football games. We're spending it at all these different events. 
So college students have money. We're just spending it. <laughs> so I think for the college students or the young folks listening, picking up some type of side hustle, picking up some type of digital product, you know, putting your effort into creating one digital product and selling it again and again and again can bring you that passive income, can bring you those multiple streams of income that you don't have to feel so stressed or have an anxiety over, you know, just having that one stream of income because one is too close to none. You know what I mean? So I think definitely for these young folks, picking up multiple streams, having that side hustle so you can continue to live the lifestyle that you want to live. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. One is too close to none. I'm curious as a student athlete, because a lot of my friends who are student athletes, they were just like gunning for the majors. Like if they're football, they're like, I want to go to the NFL. If they're basketball, I want to go to the NBA. But you were like really Mm. strategic about it. You were actually thinking about like building a brand, building a business alongside being a student athlete. I guess one, how did you manage your time and make time for all that? And then two, what was kind of your mindset for post-college? I know it sounds like going into college, you knew football was going to pay the bills. But it doesn't sound like you were like, I'm going to go NFL or bust. I'm not even going to care about my classes because like, this is it for me. How did you kind Mm -hmm. of juggle those two things? For sure. For sure. So actually, it was, I wouldn't say NFL or bust, but it was definitely trying to get to the next level, of course, you know, for my first three years. And then I tore my meniscus my senior year. So that is what really led me into, okay, I need to find a new passion. I need to find a new energy for something to put my passion and my energy into. So that's where financial literacy came about. That's where the, because I've always been, you know, business oriented and, you know, about my money. So that was kind of like a natural next step for me. But I believe for the folks listening, you got to look at, you know, what's out there. Look at the resource, look at the knowledge that we already know. We already know that it's not a secret that, what is it? Two to three percent of people make it to the professional level. Probably less. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, man. So that that's meaning ninety-seven percent of us aren't gonna make it to that level that we want to reach to. So we have to have some type of backup plan. We have to have something to fall back on just in case we don't reach that level. So I think that's where, you know, you asked the question about going to college or just starting your, you know, entrepreneurship journey. College was a great network builder for me. It was an amazing network builder for me. And whenever my app is ready, that's where I'm going to be piloting my first application where we're going to allow students to make money, manage money, and use our app to actually eliminate debt. So without that initial connection, I wouldn't have that. So I think for everybody listening, going to college, but also chasing that major dream, but having something to fall back on just in case is key. And as you're building that your senior year, you know, as you're thinking about your brand, you're trying to, you've decided on financial literacy. That's kind of an interesting thing for someone in college to decide on. Like most college kids are not thinking, you know what I want to do? I want to teach people about financial literacy. So (laughs) what helped you kind of skinny it down to just that? Like what helped you decide financial literacy is the problem I'm going to solve? For sure. For sure. So it's two reasons, honestly. We'll be right back after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Today's sponsor is one I use on a daily basis at my company, Gold City Ventures. That is the sound of a sale in your Shopify store. But did you know that Shopify now also powers in-person selling? Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store or small business. Accept payments, manage inventory, they have everything. Shopify brings together your in-person and online sales business into one source of truth, one dashboard, everything in one place. You know exactly what's going on. 
And now they have all these customization options. They have plug and play tools that you can integrate with Instagram or TikTok or wherever. You can take your payments by phone or by tablet. Shopify makes it easy. Plus, if you have any questions, their support team is there to help you. I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this audience and Shopify POS just breaks down that barrier to accepting payments with your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash fyshow, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash fyshow to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash fyshow. Now back to the show. You know, growing up, especially in the minority communities, I've seen that my people, we know how to make money. That's not the problem. <laughs> We're natural born hustlers. We're going to get to a bag. But the real problem was, as I've become more educated on finances and investing, we just didn't know how to make that money work for us and manage it and grow it and multiply it. That was the true issue. So then also, while I'm in school, I'm looking around at my peers and I'm seeing the communication majors. I'm seeing the science majors. I'm seeing the majors that are not because I graduated with a business management major with a minor in accounting and marketing. So before I really, really got financially educated and got certified to teach personal finance, I felt like my financial intelligence was above average. You know, I wouldn't say I was an expert, but I felt I was pretty good. So I thought about it like this. What about those majors that aren't required to take these business and accounting classes and finance classes? If their parents aren't teaching them, then they're graduating college, not understanding how to be a successful adult because everything we do revolves around money. So if they're not educated on how to make that money, manage that money and grow that money effectively and efficiently, then they're going to take an L when they graduate college. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where I really realized like, okay, I can do this. I feel knowledgeable about it. I feel like I have enough energy and enough passion to really make a change, to really relate to my younger audience and kind of grow with them. You know what I mean? Because a lot of my younger folks, we want to see us pull up in a new Maserati. We want to see us pull up with 15 chains on. And then that's like the symbol of us making it or being rich. But I want people to understand that building generational wealth takes time. So I want to grow with my audience and then have them follow me for what I'm doing with my investing, have them follow me for what I'm doing in the real estate investing through REITs, through different things of like that, through Roth IRAs. So I think that's where I was like, really, okay, I can do this. You know, I can do this. I'm passionate about it. It still feels like I'm playing football, man. I got the same juice. I got the same energy. And I've been able to apply my true self into this financial literacy game. Love that. So actually something interesting you mentioned was like in your community, people don't have any issue making money, but you know, that piece of, I need to buy income producing assets. I need to invest in stocks. I need to invest in real estate. Like I need to make this money work for me rather than the Maserati and 15 chains. (laughs) When did that mindset shift happen for you? Did you like read a book or did you talk to a mentor or like, when did you realize that you needed to invest instead of just like making as much money as possible? So the first time that I invested was my junior year and my dad gave me a stock magazine. It was during Christmas time. My dad gave me a stock magazine of the best stocks from that year. So I would research, research, research through that magazine. And I'm a guy I like to find like the diamonds in the roughs, the diamond in the rough. So I'm finding those companies that I don't really know about, but I'm reading about them. I'm like, okay, this could be something. This could be something. So I picked a lot of individual stocks. That was my first mistake. 
(laughs) (laughs) That was my first mistake because I'm waiting it out. You know, I'm waiting it out, you know, six months to a year. And I'm like, why am I not a millionaire yet? (laughs) Like, why am I not rich yet? I bought these stocks. I thought I was supposed to be rich. Now my senior year, I had a class called an investment analysis class. So the main thing that my teacher taught in there was to invest into index funds and ETFs compared to investing into single stocks. Because that ETF, which is basically a group of stocks, that lowers your risk, that diversifies you, whether you're investing in the S&P 500, whether you're investing into a total market index fund that encompasses all of the companies you know, in the U.S. or outside of the U.S., that really lowers your risk. So if one company does bad, you're good because you have, you know, 499 other companies that are doing well. So that's when I really realized like, okay, investing is where, you know, we need to be putting our money and it's not putting everything, but it's having a balance and starting somewhere, starting somewhere that you can do consistently doing on a regular basis and just letting that money really compound for you instead of investing you know, oh, we got this new meme coin, we got this new Dogecoin, let's put in some money here <laughs> and then not invest for the next five months until another, you know, meme coin or something of that nature comes up. So I think that's where we can really start making that differentiation. And then from the knowledge that I've learned from my guests, bro, on my podcast, I've interviewed, this is about to be episode 82 this Friday. So I've interviewed over 80 guests in the last two years. You know, I graduated during COVID. You know, I graduated during 2020, so I started my podcast August 2020, and we've interviewed, like I said, over like 80 different guests. So when you're listening to my podcast, you hear me learning and asking questions that I want to know and the questions that my audience wants to know as well. So I'm learning, I'm learning, and I actually put 19 of my podcast guests into my first book, From College to COVID, 24 Lessons Learned During the Lockdown. So I put five lessons that I learned going from college to COVID and then also 19 lessons that my podcast guests learned and they're like biggest specialties that I've put into the book as well. So I'm learning and I'm earning and I'm just going and and rock it out, man. I'm having a good time and I'm just super excited to really see how far we can take this thing, man. Well, it's awesome like hearing the passion that you have about this subject and trying to get that to other people, trying to get other people to follow in your footsteps. I'm always curious to get kind of feedback, personal experience of when you're trying to take this message to someone in college, like what have you found is the way to get that message across to them? Because most kids in college just don't really want to hear it. Like you said before, if they're not learning it from at home, then they're going to graduate without it. But even if somebody's there trying to teach them, sometimes it's just not a message that's accepted. So like, what's the way that you've been able to get across to people who are in that kind of 18 to, to 22 year range? Bro, you have to relate it to them. You have to relate it to what's going to impact and affect them. If it's not impacting or affecting them, they do not care. We do not care. As you get older and have been through having a low credit score and then you going to buy a car and you can't buy the car or your interest rate is super high, that makes you get right with credit because you realize, oh man, I can't buy my car oh man, I can't get a house or apartment because my credit is bad. That makes you get ripe. But a lot of college students haven't experienced that before. So us preaching it and stuffing credit down their throat, that really doesn't matter to them right now. It will in literally like two years. (laughs) (laughs) But at that certain point, 
with all the other things going on in college, that doesn't matter to them. But let me tell you a story. So I spoke at Elizabeth City State University this year, it's HBCU in North Carolina. When I saw everyone's eyes and ears perk up is when I started talking about spring break. I started talking about spring break and I asked them about it. And a couple of them said they weren't able to go on spring break because they didn't have enough money saved up for the hotel, for the travel, for all the new clothes that you got to get before you travel and all those different things. Mm -hmm. So what they took away was I gave them game on how to create a sinking fund. So a sinking fund is basically just setting up a certain amount of money each month for a certain goal that's, you know, off, you know, maybe four or five months. So I told them like, hey, why not instead of, you know, waiting until February or waiting until January to start planning for your trip in March, start setting money in November or, you know, October and setting a small amount of money so that when March comes around, you have money to buy that flight. You have money to buy that hotel. And the big thing about that is you're not taking it out of your check money that you need to pay for rent, that you need to pay for bills, your phone bill and those different things like that. So it's just a win win just from you putting in a little bit of extra effort to do it in November or October. And then now you're able to travel and have fun without the worry or the stress. So to fully answer your question. You have to make it relatable and you have to make it relevant to whoever your audience is, whatever they're going through. And that's why I said earlier, finances and money management relates to everyone. We use money for everything. And I say financial literacy is necessary and critical for everyone because everyone receives a paycheck or some type of compensation for what they do. So we need to know how to make and manage and budget that money so we can accomplish our goals, accomplish our dreams and do the things that we want to do. So piggybacking off Justin a little bit and rewinding a bit in the story, I know you mentioned senior year is kind of when everything changed and you tore your meniscus and you couldn't play football anymore. So you started turning toward creating personal <laughs> yeah. finance content. Like what was the beginning of that business? Like how did it look? How did you envision the company, the brand you were building? Like was it, I want to build a blog or was it a YouTube channel or a podcast? And just like, how did it work itself out over those first couple of months in business? The direction of the business, I mean, yeah. For sure. So I was writing my senior thesis, my senior research paper over financial literacy. And I was telling everyone like, hey, I'm about to write this research paper, get an A on it. And then I'm going to turn this into a book and kill two birds with one stone, like a book on how to make and manage money for those college and you know recent grad students. So I was telling everybody that. And then my cousin was actually like, hey, man, that's a great idea. I love that but I think you should turn that into an app. And I was like, hmm, an app? So literally from, and this is uh, September of 2019, literally from September of 2019 to December 2019, I did nothing but research, research, research. And that's why I always tell, like, especially everybody that's in this generation now and that's, you know, living during this time, it's a blessing the amount of resources and the technology that we have available to us. I looked up how to create an app like Acorns or financial app. And why was there a website called how to create an app like Acorns? Like, bro, (laughs) we couldn't have done that 20 years ago. We couldn't have done that. So being able to have those resources and have that technology to us, they literally gave me the blueprints for all the security, all the, you know, the basic fundamentals and foundation for the app that I'm building and that I'm 
going to be releasing next year. So it started from that financial literacy research paper, then transformed into a book, and then it's transformed into this podcast, FY Fly the Podcast, that we've actually won an award at the Southern Entertainment Awards this year for Podcast of the Year. So things have just been, you know, jumping off and my mom likes, likes to call it going from glory to glory. And that's literally all I've been doing. I've been meeting great people and pressing and, you know, showing up for them. Hey, I think you should meet with this person or I think you should get connected with them. Go meet with them, show them the, some of the resources that I have, the great things that I have going and the impact that I'm making. Hey, I think you should meet them. Now I'm talking to this person. It's just keep on going and it's compounding just like your money compounds. So anything great that you want to do will take time. It'll take consistency. It'll take hard work and a network to do. So I think those are some of the critical things that have gone into the early success that FY Fly and I have had so far. Well, that research paper that was supposed to be a book now turning into an app, but you did still come out with a book, right? You still came out with that book um, from mm -hmm. college to COVID. What is it that somebody reads that title? Maybe they don't know exactly what they're getting into. If you were to explain what somebody would get out of this book and what all you're trying to cover in that book, what would that be? Yeah. So the first book from college to COVID, 24 lessons learned during the lockdown to increase your drive, destiny, and dollars. And that's exactly what it is, man. Like I said, I've put five of the biggest lessons that I learned going from college to COVID to starting the development of my app, to starting the podcast, to doing speaking engagements and things of that nature. And then also included 19 lessons from the expert podcast guests that we interview, the athletes, the entrepreneurs, the entertainers. So we have so much different games, so many different thought processes and different things of that nature impl implemented into this book. So whether you want game on credit, whether you want game on real estate, entrepreneurial mindset, money mindset, how to budget, all those things. And what I did, I'm a really I'm a real actionable person. I don't just want to give information and be like, oh, OK, you do whatever you I'm giving actionable tips. I'm giving takeaway items. And what I like what I did on the book. I bolded the important text or the important things that I really wanted you to take away from so you can catch those little nuggets and then implement them into your life. Because really, I feel like education without application is worthless. If you're not applying the information that you just learned, what did you learn it for? <laughs> so <laughs> those are some of the biggest things that I've implemented into the book. And I just really want people to check this first book out. And the second book that I'm coming out with early Q1 of next year of 2023 is From College to COVID to Recession, a guide to making and managing your money during an economic downfall. So I went a bit different on this book because when you think about it, I was 10 during the last recession in 2008. <laughs> you know what I was just So how am I going to try to give you some expert advice when I was 10 during the last recession that we went through? So what I did there was I've interviewed a financial wellness professor at the University of Georgia. I've interviewed my previous economics teacher at Maryville College. I've interviewed an economist at S&P Global through some connections and networking. So I've interviewed five experts on recession and the economy to put their expert analysis into the book. 
I have that recession part down to give you everything you need to know about recessions and not just what you need to know, but actually how it impacts you and how it impacts your pockets. Because I know that's really all that matters. That's all we want to know. <laughs> so I put that into the book as well. And then after that, that goes into how to make and manage your money during an economic downfall. And I feel I'm, I'm pretty well versed on that part. So really, really going to be a great read for those high school, college and recent grad students. Just super excited to get this book into these high schools and colleges and really see the impact, man. Yeah, man, you are making an absolutely huge impact. I see you all over social media. People are engaging with your stuff. You're teaching financial literacy to the masses. I'm curious because I'm a business guy and I like talking about entrepreneurship and different ways For to sure. make money. What did this look like from a monetary standpoint? Let's, I guess, rewind to like right out of college. Like, did you want to just spend all of your time on FYI Fly? And actually, real quick, can you just define that for people, the acronym, so, so people aren't confused? <laughs> facts, facts, facts. So FYI Fly stands for, for your information, financial literacy, and investing. So it's a little word play on that word fly for that younger audience, you know. And I really think that it was funny how I came up with the name. I had my first meeting with the app developers in India. It was uh, early 2020, had our first meeting at like 8 p.m. I woke up at 5 a.m., something hit me, and I was like, FYI, F, 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 I was just, I was just saying stuff, man. And then I was like, FYI, fly, FYI, fly. And I literally called my mom at like five in the morning. Hassan, you all right? Hassan, you all right? You okay? You okay? I said, yes, Bob. Yes, yes. I got it, though. I got it. FYI, fly for your information, financial literacy and investing. Literally got the name down packed right before the initial meeting with the app development team, man. So it was crazy. I had multiple names before. I had uh, Simplify. That was taken. I took that to the trademark office. They said, no, sir. Try again. <laughs> I had, what was the other one? It was another one. I can't remember. I just lost it. But I've had multiple names before that. But FY Fly ended up being the winner. And that's where we're at today, man. <laughs> that's awesome. Just going back to my question, I'm curious from a business standpoint, what that looked like straight out of college. Like, were you monetizing mm -hmm. this thing at that point? Were you going to get a traditional job or were you just going to put all of your chips in this entrepreneurial basket? Good question, man. Good question. And literally just up to last month in October, I've been working a nine to five job on side of building FYI Fly. So for any entrepreneurs, for anybody listening Keep your job. Keep your job until you are really making funds, till you really have at least a six-month cushion built up that you'll be okay when you quit your job and if your business is not making money. Because I just started having a consistent income from a sponsorship deal that I was blessed to land last month. And I've been doing this since 2020. Every day. Every single day. So... Anybody listening, please, please keep your job. And if you really love what you're doing, you should love, you know, especially your side hustle or your passion, something that you're building on the side, you should love it. So keep that job. Use that job as the bank to fuel what you're doing for your six to 12. Work that nine to five. But if you really want financial freedom, if you really want time freedom, if you want to build something that you love to do, you're going to have to do what you have to do. So you can do what you want to do in the future. So that was advice that my mom always gave me and it stuck with me. So I understood that I would have to grind, work this 
man, I've been through so many jobs since 2020, bro. <laughs> so many jobs. And it was literally due to me not being able to focus on that job because I'm focused on content creating. I'm focused on building networking connections and just building FY Fly. And I always tell people, you know, especially for us solo entrepreneurs, if we don't do it, it's not going to get done. We don't have the virtual assistants just yet. We don't have, you know, employees just yet. So if I'm not the one getting active behind everything, then it's not going to get done. So that's the mindset that I've taken into this. And just like I said, just to answer your question, I believe that everybody should keep their nine to five because that's what's keeping on. That's what's keeping on the lights. That's what's keeping food on your family's table. Have that nine to five. But if you're truly passionate, if you truly care about that side hustle or or your own business, you'll work that six to 12. You'll do it. (laughs) And maybe that is the answer, like we just mentioned that you had that nine to five the entire time. But like when you're first getting started, you're talking about meeting with app developers. I don't know how much that costs off the top of my head, but I imagine there are some costs involved. Like what were you doing to get started, like to seed this whole idea? Yeah. So like I said, man, I I worked that nine to five. Of course, my mom helped me out because I was going to initially go to grad school, but COVID came and I didn't want to do grad school once FY Fly came. I was like, I'm, I'm cool on that. So my mom was able to help, you know, allocate some funds to help me get, you know, started in the beginning. Having that nine to five and if you're blessed to have a parent that will help you, then, you know, definitely take that route, accept that help and continue to build with what you have. And I think that's one of the biggest traits that I have. I will maximize every single opportunity. I mean, everyone, whether it's free, paid, you know, if they just paying for transportation, hey, I'm there. I am there. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So for everybody listening, maximize every resource, every opportunity that you come across and keep going from glory to glory. Just keep bouncing, keep bouncing, keep making plays. And you'll look up in two years and you've won, you know, podcast of the year, you'll look up and, you know, you have, you know, 30,000, you know, downloads, you, you'll look up and things are just jumping off your network, your connections and things that you've built is just compounded over the years. And you're just keeping your head down grinding. And something also I want everybody to take away is try to enjoy the process. Try to really enjoy the process because you don't want to look up, say your big goal is to be a $10 million company. What if it takes you 10 years to get there? Are you not going to be happy because you're not a $10 million company? Are you not going to be happy for nine years until you get to that 10th year and become that $10 million company? So that's what I had to think about because me personally, I feel like I should be much bigger than where I'm at right now, but I'm enjoying the process because I'm not going to be down on myself. I'm not going to beat myself up for these next years until I, you know, become big and have the impact that I want to, I'm going to enjoy the process, enjoy where I'm at. One quote that I like to live by is success is what you make it. Take it how it comes. Hmm. Take that success that you have because last year you weren't doing the things that you're doing this year. So that's a big improvement. That's a big progression. So take those things Enjoy the process and continue to build because my motto for FYI Fly is impact, income, and to have fun. That's what I want to do with my business. I want to make impact, definitely want to make income, and I want to have a good time doing it, man. Love that. Yeah, all three are key ingredients to success. 
One thing I like, and actually Justin and I recently talked about this on a previous podcast was, and it sounds like you've already internalized this, but like lead versus Mm. lag metrics. Like you're focusing on the inputs. You can't control whether or not you're going to have a $10 million company or whether or not you're going to get a podcast of the year. You can control, like I'm going to put out a podcast every single week. I'm going to get X, Y, and Z done Uh, in my business. Is that something you've always just been born with? Is it something you've learned through reading, through experience, or just like how have you been someone who focuses so much on the inputs and then realize that like, okay, the outputs are just going to be a result of how much, how many inputs I put in. And some of them are going to work out. Some of them mm-hmm. aren't. Bro, it's perspective, bro. It's perspective. Just from taking this education that I've learned over these last two years, really change. And one thing I like to say is you have to balance your entertainment to education intake. And I've started to listen to more podcasts, of course, more YouTube videos, more educational resources. So that has really helped me in changing the perspective of, okay, we're putting out something every week. We're staying consistent. If we have one person listening, that's good because that one person took time out of their day to listen to our podcast when there's 3.6 million different podcasts in this world. So if I'm impacting one person from behind the mic, I'm winning. I'm winning. And that's perspective. Because I used to work at JCPenney. I used to work at Kroger. I used to push carts. You know what I'm saying? So for me to be able to make an impact from behind this mic, from teaching and talking about the education that I've learned from my great guests, from, that I've written about, that I've you know, soaked up, and I actually see an impact is huge for me. So I think that perspective for everybody listening really changes your perspective on Like I said, success, changing your perspective on, you know, like you said, the input, not focusing on so much, but the output, but focusing on what you can control. My football coach always used to say, control the controllables. Control what you can control, do your best and let God do the rest. Like that's literally all you can do. So once you change that perspective, I think that can take away a lot of the stress and anxiety away from you know, being an entrepreneur and, you know, chasing this dream. Cause it's not easy. It's not easy being an entrepreneur. I think that's one of the, one of the biggest things that I've learned over these two years. <laughs> I was going to say this long time, but it's, it's, it's been two years. <laughs> yeah. But I do love that. I love the perspective piece. I love that because it gets into, you know, we're so bad as humans at, at viewing mm. our progress and kind of beating ourselves up. And it's not like worrying is going to help us. It's probably most likely actually going to slow us down because it's going to make us second guess things. We're not going to get out there, make those errors, um, whether it be entrepreneurial efforts or even investing. Like We're in this recession now. A yeah. lot of people are probably seeing their accounts going backwards. That makes them second guess everything they're doing. But I mm-hmm. love like what you just said there with the perspective and that you'll eventually see that success if you just kind of zoom out and you stick with what you got going on. You control what you can control. And I know like you definitely are going to have a lot more success coming, coming our way. And there's going to be a lot of listeners who are going to be curious, like, hey, where do I follow along with Hassan? How do I see when this new book is coming out? So for all these things that you've got coming, what's the best way for our audience to kind of keep in touch with you and follow along with something like that? For sure, for sure. So you can definitely connect with us on our website, FYI Fly. So it's FYIFLI.com. Leave your email with us and Let's connect. You can also reach out to us on social media at FYIFLI. You can follow my personal page, CEO, Sonny, CEO, 
S-A-N-N-I. I'm also on LinkedIn. Got to keep it professional now. That's that uh, Hassan Thomas, H-A-S-S-A-N, last name Thomas. And we on TikTok. Got to keep it fly. Got to keep it F-Y-I fly. So that's F-Y-I underscore F-L-I on TikTok. Keep in touch with us. Stay up to date on some of the things we've got going for this upcoming holiday season. I've partnered with a uh, company out here in Florida called FPP. Florida Prosperity Partnership, and we're putting on a holiday special to kind of give some game on how to spend and save your money for this holiday season and kind of what to look forward for 2023 when it comes to investing, saving, and helping you make the right decisions. So we have that coming up, and we've also included some independent artists. we got some actors and things, so it's not just going to be financial experts stuffing information down your throat. You ain't got to worry about that. We're going to have skits and, you know, different artists singing and things. So it's going to be a real edutaining event. Love that, man. Well, just want to thank you again for coming on. It was an absolute blast. I know this has been way too long coming. We met back a couple years ago at FinCon and we've been in touch ever since. We finally got to hit the record button and hop behind the mics with one another. But seriously, man, just want to thank you again for all the work you're doing all the lives you're affecting and just everything you do. So thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you. And when y'all boys come down to Miami, man, next time y'all come, I'm sure I'm going to have my studio up and we're going to have to rock out in person, man. That's the next goal for uh, season four of the podcast. I want to get an in-person studio and start doing some in-person things. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to another episode of The Five Show. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, the best way to do that is to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Share this with a friend. And also, don't forget, you can find 200 plus episodes and all the information you'd ever want to have about these episodes over at thefyshow.com. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button because that way, every Wednesday, you can have our latest episode delivered straight to your phone. Until next time. Hey, real quick before you go, I just want to remind you that I have made my personal like budget and net worth tracking spreadsheet available, the very same one that I use to track my net worth from $38,000 to over $1.2 million available for free on our website at thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet. So you can go download that today. That's thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet.